this morning, continuing in our Stuck series. And we're looking this morning at what, it, what it's like to be stuck in the past. And I got to tell you, I am excited to preach this message this morning. And uh, I'm excited every week, but this morning there's just something, uh, it's, it's going to be, you're getting a good one today, okay? Okay, you're getting a good one today. <laughs> but there, there's a few signs indicating that you might be stuck in the past. You, you might be stuck in the past if you're still watching reruns of Family Ties. <laughs> or even further back, you just can't get ri- you just can't leave MASH behind, you know? It's just, you're stuck in the past. I said that in the fir- second service, and a lot of them, they were upset that I brought that up. And they're like, what? You, you, you might be stuck in the past if you haven't bought new music in the last 30 years. You know, you're just like, man, it does not get any better than Pat Benatar, you know, <laughs> Twisted Sister, Quiet Riot. Them were the days. And you, you, just, you just can't move on. You just can't move on. Um, you, you might be stuck in the past if you just can't bring yourself to get rid of your old VHS tapes. You know, you got the big stack. After all, you reason that they still work perfectly fine in your VCR, so you might be stuck in the past. But, uh, you know, there's some, some problems with being stuck in the past, and those are obviously just a couple of the kind of silly ways that we're stuck in the past. But there's a couple problems with being stuck in the past. First thing is this, that being stuck in the past, it, it robs you of the opportunity to enjoy the present. It robs you of that opportunity. And God, God has made this day, and he's made every day alive with purpose, alive with hope. Just, it, it's, it's alive with one blessing after another. And you've got a roof over your head. You've got clothes on your back. You're blessed to live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. You've got a church family that loves you. You've got hope. You've got a future. Uh, the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And when you're stuck in the past, it robs you of the opportunity to enjoy the present. Another problem with being stuck in the past is that it, um, it holds you back from the opportunity to discover the future, causing you to miss the next thing that God wants to do in your life. And uh, the Bible it talks a lot in the Bible about this nation of Israel. And like we tend to do, they were constantly getting stuck in the past. And God would have to come along and kind of prod them and push them and, 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 and try to help them get unstuck the past and one time God actually said these words he said do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it and the truth was that they they couldn't perceive it because they were too stuck in the past to notice it and so often when we get stuck in the past it's it stops us from walking into and experiencing that new thing that God might want to do in and through us there was a man in the Bible that we're going to look at this morning. His name was Samuel, and he was, he had, a, he had a moment in his life where he got stuck in the past. Samuel was in very rare company in that he was one of three guys who at the same time in, in, in Israel's history was both Israel's prophet and Israel's judge. He was Israel's prophet in that he was kind of like the the messenger for God. God would speak and he would take that message to the people. He was the judge in that he was the leader of Israel. He was the, the top dog. Only three other guys in Israel's history had, this, had, w- had those two things going at the same time. Moses was one of them and um, Eli was the other one. They were the, the prophet and they were at the same time they were God's leader 
leader of Israel. While Samuel started to, 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 get, to grow older, he made his two sons the, the, the judges of Israel. Well, his two sons, they did a pretty bad job. They made some big mistakes, and uh, they just things went really sideways. And at one point, uh, the Bible says that they, they, how, they turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So they just did a really bad job of governing. Um, rather than doing it with integrity, wisdom, and a heart to serve the people, they just they did it all wrong. So the people got upset. The people did not like the way that they were being governed. And so they demanded a change in leadership. They wanted to do things way differently than they'd been done in the past. They wanted things changed. Does it sound like a familiar storyline to you? A little bit, right? We've heard that before. But the people, they approach Samuel and they demand a change. They're tired of having judges. Instead, they want to be like their neighbors and they want to have a king. Samuel, though, he tries to convince them a king's a bad idea. He tells them, you know what, a king, he's going he's gonna to take your sons and your daughters and your livestock and your grain and your, your, the, your, what, your, your wine. He's going to take all that stuff and he's going to use it for, for his kingdom. He's going to impose heavy taxes on you. He tries to convince them that having a king is a bad idea, but they just say, no, Samuel, uh, we, we want a king. Thank you very much. Well, eventually God says to Samuel, okay, give them a king, and before long, Samuel is anointing a man named Saul as the new king. Now, anointing is what would happen. They'd take, they would take a horn and carve it out and pour oil inside of that horn, and then they would pour it over top of the, king's, the new king's head as a way to initiate him as the new king and, and kind of set him apart. Samuel anoints Saul as the new king. And for the next 27 years, Samuel and Saul... They, they work side by side leading Israel. Samuel is Israel's prophet. Saul is Israel's king. And they would become friends. They'd grow to love and care for one another deeply. But eventually, Saul would become a corrupt king. He would nor- ignore God's commands. And then as, re- as a result of that, this, this, this big breach would, would take place in Saul and Samuel's relationship. And it started when Saul stepped out of his kingly boundaries and he took on himself the role of the priest. So back in the day, priests did priestly things and kings did kingly things, and you just didn't mix those. While Saul decided, okay, I'm going to take on the role of a priest. That was his first big mistake. And then the next thing that he did was when God told him that, okay, as king, you're going to go and conquer the nation of the, the Amalekites, this, this nation that they were constantly fighting against, God told him that he had to take everybody and everything out. Saul decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spare some of the sheep. I'm going to spare the king of this nation. And he directly disobeyed what God wanted him to do, which was a pretty significant mistake. And as a result of Saul's blatant obedience or disobedience, God comes to Samuel and says this. He says, I regret that I have made Saul king. Some Bible translations, rather than regret, they, they use the phrase, I, I'm grieved that I made Saul king. Because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Sa- Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. It's a sleepless, agonizing night for Samuel. In the original language that the Bible is written in, th- that, that term translated cried out actually refers to an intense expression of grief or anxiety. 
Samuel is so distraught over this whole situation with Saul that he can't even sleep. He's been friends with this guy for 27 years. He's mentored him. He's led him. And Samuel is heartbroken that, that now they're in this situation. And soon we read in Scripture how Samuel, who, who is not only Saul's friend, but he's still the prophet of Israel bringing God's message to the people, Samuel approaches Saul to give him some really bad news. And in, in one of the, it's become one of the most well-known rebukes in the whole entire Bible, Samuel approaches Saul and looks him in the eye and says, God has rejected you as king. And then next we read that this is what happened. Samuel left for Ramah, which was his home. But Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. And so just like that, a chapter in. A friendship is over. The hopes and dreams of Saul as a godly leader are over. And Samuel, in devastation, he mourns because he's just suffered a huge loss. And the Bible doesn't say exactly how long it was that, that Samuel mourned for, but it had to have been a pretty long time because 1 Samuel chapter 15 ends with Samuel mourning. And then we open 1 Samuel chapter 16, and God comes to, to Samuel with this question. He says, the Bible says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? You see, Samuel doesn't know it yet, but, but God has already kind of been working behind the scenes to prepare a new king. He has something new that he wants to do in and through Samuel's life. But Samuel is not in a place to receive that because he is stuck in the past. He's stuck. And God comes to him and says, for how long? How long will you mourn? How long will you stay stuck in the past? Stuck in what could have been? Stuck letting the loss of a dear friend paralyze you from moving into your future? How long? And notice that God doesn't rebuke Samuel for mourning. He doesn't do that. Because there's nothing wrong with, with mourning the past. In fact, as we're going to look at in just a second here, it's actually good to mourn the past. It's unhealthy not to mourn. But God's not rebuking him for mourning. He's questioning him, questioning him for the length of his mourning. He's going, Samuel, you're stuck. You are paralyzed in the past. And it's time to... It's, it's time to get unstuck. And, and there are a lot of ways that we get stuck in the past. Lots of ways. But I just want to tell you, uh, list a few of them for you this morning. If you're taking notes, the first way that we can get stuck in the past is longing to relive the glory days. Remember in, in Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> Uncle Rico, anybody? You guys remember Uncle Rico? So... Scene opens, and there's Uncle Rico. He's just tossing the football. He's got, he's got the van in the big field. And it, then it kind of goes to the scene later on where Uncle Rico and Kip, they're sitting there on the front porch. And Uncle Rico, he just, he's got that gaze. He's staring off into the distance. And, and he says, man, if I could go back in time, I'd take steaks. And then he goes back, and then he grabs the pork chop, and he shows Kip how he can chuck the pork chop, and he hits Napoleon in the face. But then, that's a great movie, by the way, classic. But then he goes on to say, you know, back in 82, man, if coach would have put me in in, fourth cor in, 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 in the, the, the fourth quarter, I just had a, a mind blank and I forgot how many quarters there are in football. It's four. 
if coach would have put me in, in the fourth quarter, we would have taken state, and I would have gone pro. And he's stuck in the past. Stuck. And, you know, this is something that we do a lot of times at the church. You know, sometimes you, you see people that are just stuck in the past and stuck in the way that church was done back then and just longing to relive the glory days. Man, back then, the songs were just, man, if we could just go back to how it was done back then. Man, back in the day, church was done right. If we could just go back and relive the glory days. I actually grew up in a church that had this line in one of the songs, give me that old time religion was the line. I don't want the old time religion. I want the new thing that God is doing today. But when you're stuck in the past, you know, it's a problem because when you get stuck hanging on to how God worked in the past, it stops us from seeing how he wants to work in the present. It stops us. And there's nothing wrong with a little nostalgia, but to get stuck there can be unhealthy. You're always looking over your shoulder. You're longing for the glory days back, back then. Another way that we get stuck in the past is holding on to unforgiveness. Someone hurt you in the past. Someone wronged you. What they did wasn't right. And now you hold a grudge. Now you've got this bitterness and resentment that's, that's always coming up in your heart. Whenever you think about that thing or whenever something happens that's closely tied into that thing that happened back then, you, just, you, you experience bitterness, resentment all over again. And it, listen, it doesn't matter if that wrong was committed a year ago. 50 years ago, or generations ago, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it might as well have happened yesterday. Because it will keep you stuck, stuck in, in, in that bitterness, in that resentment. Jesus told a story one time about a man who just, he owed a great, great debt. He couldn't pay it back, and so he went to the guy that, that loaned him the money, and he begged for forgiveness. The guy says, okay, I'm going to have mercy on you, I'm going to forgive you. Well, the guy who's forgiven then goes out to another person that owes him money. And he doesn't forgive him. He says, what's going on? You, you owe me money. I want that money right now. Well, the guy that had forgiven him of his debt finds out about this. And then he comes to him and says, hey, what's going on? I just forgave you, and you can't forgive this guy? And the Bible says that this, the, the, the original lender, the Bible calls him this guy's master, Finds out about how he's not forgiving and forgiving this other guy. And what does he do? He takes him and he puts him into prison. And then Jesus said, this is what will happen to you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Unforgiveness, it locks you into this prison. You're stuck in this prison of bitterness, this prison of resentment, this prison that just keeps you weighted down by that wrong that happened to you in the past. Nelson Mandela, the great leader from South Africa, he said it best. He said, resentment or unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemy. It's like drinking poison and hoping that it's going to kill your enemy. Unforgiveness keeps you stuck in the past. Uh, another thing that keeps us stuck in the past is carrying regret. Carrying regret. And I got to tell you, this is, this is one that I struggle with a lot. Um, I've made some, some big financial mistakes in the past, as I've alluded to over the last few weeks, off and on. Back in, um, well, several years ago, I guess it would have been 2007, Becky and I sold our first house and got super blessed as a result. Um, uh, we, by the time we had paid off all of our debt, 
we had $110,000 sitting in the bank, which to me is a very big chunk of change. And uh, I had a, as, as we were getting ready to move, I had my, uh, one of my neighbors come up to me and uh, we were kind of saying goodbye and he said some words to me that haunt me to this day. He said, okay, Rich, don't spend it all. You know where this is going. Because some poor planning, some risky investments, and some foolish spending, and about three or four years later, we had a big fat goose egg sitting in the bank. And so that kind of stuff brings regret. Because th then you get yourself in a financial situation or crunch of, of any kind, which we kind of all, we all get in those from time to time, and you, there's regret. Man, if only. Or you start to think about your future and kind of plan the future out a little bit and where do you want to be 10, 20 years from now? And you go, there's regret. And if only we've had some, just our, our housing situation the last year and a half has just been kind of all over the map. And alongside of that has been regret. Man, if only, if only we had done things differently back then, things would be so much different today. And maybe for you, it's, it's regret over something else. Maybe it's some mistake that you made. Man, if only I hadn't, hadn't been driving so recklessly, my friend or family member would still be here today. If, if only I, I'd spent more time with my kids. This is one that people get stuck in regret in all the time. If only I'd spent more time with my kids, then today they'd want to at least talk to me. There wouldn't be this big wall. If only I'd done things differently back then in the day, there's just this regret, or if only I'd, I, I took more time to show my spouse that I, I loved her, we'd still be together, if only I didn't smoke that first joint way back there in middle school, I wouldn't be stuck in my addiction that I have today, and you just have this regret that happened way back there in the past, but even today, it's just this weight around you, you're stuck in the past carrying regret. And then the last area that we get stuck in the past in is mourning a loss. And I just want to, I want to tread very carefully this morning because I would never want you to think that God doesn't see your loss as significant or important because he does. He sees it as so significant and important. You know, whether that, that loss that you, you had is maybe it's a dream that you lost, maybe it's the loss of a job, the loss of your children to adulthood, and that's hard. It's hard stuff. The loss of a spouse, loss of a friend, or even the loss of someone's life who you love dearly. Jesus knows your loss and his heart grieves right alongside of you. You've got to know that today. As, as you've been mourning, may, maybe you've had moments where you just have experienced his hope and peace and this unexpected joy. You've got to know that there's a reason you're doing this because that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus walking alongside of you. He wants or he knows your grief. He understands your grief. He even wants you to grieve. He just doesn't want you to stay stuck in it. He doesn't want you to be paralyzed by it. He wants you to know his joy, his hope, to experience the incredible plan that he has for your future. He doesn't want you to be stuck there. The, the Bible says that there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under, the, under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And if you find yourself stuck in the past, 
It could be something that we've just mentioned. It could be something entirely different, but you know what it is. You know what that thing is that keeps you stuck in the past. I want to, through God's word, just, just give you a process this morning that will help you get unstuck. And the first thing to do is this. Don't avoid the pain. Instead, turn and face the pain. Turn and face it. Turn and face it. Samuel's pain began the moment that he found out that God had rejected Saul as king. And the Bible goes on to, to paint a picture of a man who doesn't try to bury it. He doesn't try to push it aside. He doesn't try to avoid it. But he's up all night in anguish facing his pain. And then he, he, he mourns for so long that God actually has to come along and, and say, how long are you going to mourn for Samuel? But he, he faces this pain, that, that this thing that's got him stuck in the past. He faces it. And, and Sam, Samuel mourned. Uh, David, he mourned all the time. Uh, Two-thirds of the Psalms are laments. And, and what's incredible to me is even God himself, um, he, he turns and faces the pain that he's experiencing. The Bible says that he was grieved, that, that there was this regret over Saul. And there's the, the picture of, of Jesus as he's standing there at his friend's graveside, Lazarus. And what is Jesus doing? The Bible says that he, he's weeping. He's turning and he's facing this pain. Two weeks ago, I, I preached this message about being stuck in shame. And just about how for me that I, I've been stuck there for many, many years. And a lot of it has to do, it just in, it involves this embarrassment and humiliation that I suffered through and went through as a teenager. And God has just been doing this work over the years, just gradually helping me get free of that. Helping me understand who I am in Him. And uh, He's still doing it. In this last week, um, just some crazy stuff that God's been doing in my life. And Becky and I, yesterday, were at Arrows Out, this, the CTK conference, and we're driving back home. And, and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to tell Becky what's been going on in my life. And so I'm there sharing. We're driving down the I-5, and as we're cruising down Bow Hill, all of a sudden, I just started to lose it. And just started to break. And, um, and it was just... Everything in me, but the voices in my head were going, Rich, don't go there. Just push it aside. Avoid it. You, she needs to see you strong. Rich, you're the man in this relationship. You're not supposed to cry. And just like all the thoughts going through my head, but I decided, no, I'm, I'm going to just go there. And can I tell you that when you turn and face your pain rather than avoid it, it is so freeing. It is so healing. God works through that to take what's broken and just transform it. Don't avoid the pain of the past, whatever it is that's got you stuck, turn, turn and face it. I love what Peter Scazzaro, he's this author and pastor out of New York, says. He says, turning toward our pain is counterintuitive. It is. We want to just avoid it at all costs. But he goes on to say, but in fact, the heart of Christianity is that the way to life is through death. The pathway to resurrection is through crucifixion. And then he adds at the end of this, he says, of course, it preaches easier than it looks. It's hard. Turning and facing your pain is hard. And the reason that it's so hard is because, as we've been talking about over the last several weeks, it involves this thing called vulnerability. You've got to put your heart out there. You've got you to expose your weakness to others. You expose your pain to others. And, and, and to do that is, is a hard, hard thing to do. It involves talking it out with God, talking it out with trusted friends, being courageous enough to let someone in on your pain. 
it is hard. But listen, it, it, it's, it's so necessary to you experiencing God's healing and God's freedom. It's so necessary. Next thing is this. Be patient while waiting in the confusing in between. Sometimes when you're kind of, there, there's that place where you, maybe you're, you're starting to get unstuck from the past and leave some things behind that, that have just got you stuck there. And, but you don't know what the future looks like. And you're stuck kind of in this mysterious place. And if you've ever been there before, you, kinda, you, might, you might know what I'm talking about. You don't know what God's up to. You don't know how God's working. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of direction in your, your life. But getting unstuck is being patient and it's being okay with waiting in that, that confusing in-between place. And some of you here this morning, you're there. Just life doesn't make a lot of sense. You, you feel like you're getting freedom from whatever's gone on back there, but just you're here. And for you, the best thing that you can do is just is to do what God's word says and just be still in that moment and know that he's God. That he's caring for you, that he's loving you, that he's working in your life even though you might not know it. And the last thing this morning is this. Let the old give birth to the new in God's time. Let the old give birth to the new in God's time. So Samuel is stuck. He's stuck in the past. There's, he's experienced this loss. This relationship that he had is gone. He's mourning this, this loss of Saul. He's stuck. The Lord, though, he comes to Samuel and says, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. God comes to him and says, Samuel, you're stuck. And he doesn't come to him with this frustration like, Samuel, what are you doing? Why are you still here? And, and if, if you're here this morning and you're stuck, you need to know that God comes to you with a heart of love, with a heart of compassion. He comes to Samuel and he says, how long will you mourn? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way because I'm doing something new. I've got something that I'm up to over here. This, this son of, of Jesse that was going to be the new king just happened to be this young kid named David. This young kid who would soon after this grab a slingshot and go out and utterly crush this giant named Goliath. It was the same kid who would one day establish the throne uh, of Israel in Jerusalem, the same guy that would go down in history as being Israel's greatest king, Samuel was about to go and anoint this guy. God says, how long will you mourn? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way because I've got something that I'm up to. And it's the same with us. You know, we can get stuck longing for the glory days, stuck in unforgiveness, stuck carrying regret or mourning a loss. And what will happen when we do is that it will stop us from seeing this new thing that God wants to do in our lives. You can get so stuck back there. Samuel was so stuck that he could not see what God was, was up to, what God wanted to do. So God had to come along and say, fill your horn with oil, Samuel, and be on your way. Don't let the old things, even the good old things, hold you back from God's best things for your life. Don't let the past, don't, don't stay back there stuck in the past and are, are you stuck in the past longing for the, the glory days of old i believe that this morning that god want to say to you fill your horn with oil and be on your way you know i've got better days in your story 
You might be looking back and go, no, it can never get better than that. It was pretty good back there. God wants you to know this morning that, that he's got better days ahead. He's got better days ahead. Maybe you're stuck in the past holding on to resentment, holding on to unforgiveness. God wants to say to you, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. You got, if you've got some work that needs to be done, you've got some forgiveness, you need to, to forgive somebody something that they've done. Uh, you, maybe in your heart you need to forgive yourself from something that you have done. Fill your horn with oil, go back, take care of whatever needs to be done, and then be on your way. God's got some new things he wants to do in your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you're carrying regret. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. What's happened in the past is history. It's history. I can never go back there and change what I did with that $110,000. Man, that was a lot of money. But I, I, can't, I can't. It's in the past. It's history. I, I might as well just leave it there, learn the lessons that I needed to learn, and move on. And maybe you're carrying regret. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Stop letting regret over what you didn't do in your past keep you from experiencing what God wants to do in your future. Stop letting it do that. And maybe you're here this morning, you're stuck mourning a loss. Yes, it will be hard. Whatever that loss is, whether it's loss of a dream, loss of a friendship, it will be hard, but God says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Don't let, don't let the old things, even the really good things, hold you back from what God is doing in your life. And this morning in closing, I want to invite you as a next step. So maybe you're here, you're going, Rich, you, th this, what you're talking about, and God is speaking to me right here. I am stuck. And I hope this morning you know exactly what it is that you're stuck in. But if you're here and you're stuck, I want to invite you to pray this prayer either when we wrap up this morning or this afternoon, sometime this week. It's, it's found at the end of your sermon notes in your program, so you can take it home. But the prayer goes like this. Father in heaven, when I think about the past, I feel, and there is a big blank there. And part of going back and facing that, the pain of the past it's just have, having it out, saying, God, this is what's going on inside. I'm, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm sad, I'm depressed. Whatever it is that's, that you're going, that's going on, I'm bitter, I'm resentful. Just let God know. He loves you, he cares about you. He, it's okay. That's not going to change anything in how he sees you. If you, if you just let, it, let him know. But God, this is, this is what I feel inside. There is pain, and I don't know why you have allowed it. You know that everything in me wants to resist and stay with what's familiar and safe. But I ask that you would give me the courage to let go where I need to let go so that you can birth something new in me. Thank you that with you by my side, I can get unstuck from the past and be on my way into the future that you have in store for me. Pray that prayer sometime this week if you're stuck. Maybe you need to begin to have a conversation not with God, not only with God, but also with a trusted friend and just let somebody know this is where I'm stuck. But let God get you unstuck. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, Lord, I'm uh, thankful that you speak to us just with so much love and so much compassion. Lord, you want nothing but the best for us. 
Lord, I pray that, Lord, there might be somebody here this morning who's just feeling, yeah, Rich, I know where I'm stuck. It's, it's unforgiveness, and I just can't let that go. Or there's, maybe there's regret, or maybe it's just a loss that they just, they, just can't, they just can't move on to. And they're going, I don't even know how to do that. Or maybe they're going, I don't really want to do that because it's all I've ever known, just being stuck there. Jesus, this morning, I pray that, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give, give us the courage to turn and face our past if that's what needs to happen, to let go if that's what we need to do. Jesus, to, to have a conversation with you, to have a conversation with someone else about what's been going on. Lord, give us the courage to do that, I pray. And Lord, I pray that, that as we do that, that, that Jesus, as we just refuse to be stuck in the past, that Jesus, that Lord, you would, you would heal, that Lord, you would bring freedom, that God, you'd bring life, that Jesus, you'd bring hope, that Jesus, what you've got in store for us next is a good, good thing. And so Lord, I pray and invite you to just work in our hearts, to work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.